0: G'day and welcome to Aussie Vision. I'm Dale. And g'day, I'm Mike. And welcome to our end of the decade
1: special. Absolutely, the end of 10 years, Dale. So we thought we'd better run over things and cast our
0: eye over a few things. Exactly. You get to 10 years of Eurovision and there's trends that happen. It's been a very different decade than the 2000s and the 90s. And so I thought it'd be a good idea for us to run over different types of categories and sort of different trends we've seen come out. Over the 2010s. Absolutely. The end of a decade always
1: marks the end of an era, somewhat, doesn't it? So Mm. let's have a talk about things. You've broken it down into a few different subjects you want to discuss. Yes. So uh, what are you going to kick us off with?
0: Okay, we're going to start off with the East. All right, so an interesting subject to start off with. Why did you pick the Eastern Europe for this one? Well, in the 2000s, it was very dominated by the East, to be honest. Um, We had a lot of winners from there. We had six all up from the Baltics, from Russia and Ukraine. And I'm going to chuck Turkey into that group as well, because essentially the West look at Turkey as, you know, the East. They're almost in Asia. So six winners that decade. this This decade, we've only had two. So we've only had Ukraine and we also had Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. So quite a drop overall for the East. Now, I'm not really quite sure what factor that is that's made that happen, what do you think? Well, I think it could be a few things. I think um, definitely, for me,
1: the 2000s was dominated by what I call New Europe. These mm. were these were new countries: Estonia, Latvia, Ukraine, Russia, Serbia. These were all new countries, and they were very much putting Eurovision into almost a soft political thing as well. Ooh. So they put a lot. I know we're getting heavy now. Ooh, we're wow! Deep dive. <laughs> Started off deep. <laughs> um, so these were you know in fresh young states, and also there was a lot of goodwill towards them as well. In particular, with mm. these with these fresh new countries. So also, I think when you look at the 2010s, we marked an era of economic austerity amongst the lot of Europe as well. So a lot of these broadcasters really couldn't throw the money behind what they were possibly doing in the 2000s, Hello, looking at Greece in particular.
0: Yeah, okay, so they came out quite big in the 2000s, wanted to make their mark as a new country. Absolutely. I think that really applies to particularly the good sort of will to the Baltic states early on. I do think there was also maybe the style of music. I mean, you look at what Turkey... I mean, it started off with SirTab and Every Way That I Can. That kind of style. It's very med-pop, but very Eastern elements throughout the whole process as well. And that played really well into, like, Ukraine Wild Dances. That music really disappeared in the 2010s. Also, the staging. Without an LED, you kind of had very much around... A little bit kind of crazy and out there A little bit And I think the East were much more willing to go down the route than the West And they were kind of a little bit caught with their pants down You know, I thought, oh, we could just go out there and Looking at you, France, sing a ballad and everything will be okay It's like, nah, they're bringing it, they're going full on Yeah, and it did certainly mark that sort of probably the high camp and the high drama Mm. that Eurovision's
1: probably peaked at was in the 2000s. Yeah. You know, we had singing pirates and all sorts of stuff and monsters with flame-throwing guitars, et cetera. So uh, it certainly toned down in the 2010s. Maybe that came with, uh, you know, perhaps a little bit of the... uh, different style in music as well that dominates
0: I, I reckon that's where it's happened with the homogenization of the music that's mm-hmm. gone on. Hey, the West just probably do the Western style of music better and we've kind of seen some of those nations thinking like a Serbia... I think it's in the Balkans, um, really sort of, and the Baltics as well. They've done well, but, you know, not as good as they did in the 2000s. No, definitely not. It's certainly the uh, empire strikes back as far as Western <laughs> Europe goes. <laughs> Indeed. It's actually interesting. Eight of the winners this decade have all come from old school um, countries, all the ones from the 70s and beforehand. Israel is the latest edition of those um, eight winners. So we've certainly gone back um, in time there a little bit with the winners. Definitely. All right, well, let's move on to our next category, and in my time, a little bit with what we were just talking about. It is the juries. I can confirm that we have processed all the votes from the 42 national and professional uh, juries around uh, Europe. Sweden is now in first place after all the jury's votes.
1: So reintroduced back in two thousand and nine, uh back to probably Stop the arms race of what was getting a little bit crazy with Eurovision and mm. perhaps wasn't seen as the most serious music contest, trying to give it a bit more musical credence. Mm. So do you think the juries have actually achieved that? Though?
0: Oh, you'd have to say they have. I mean, have they or as the music kind of followed the juries, or the juries picked the music? Mm. If you've got juries in mind, you're going to start probably going towards that style of music and maybe you're going to shy away. From the out there and the crazy, because it ain't gonna get a big jury score. Um, but also, I think music uh, taste changed very much so. And throughout most of the first half of the decade, uh, the jury and the televote agreed the whole time Ooh. 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, and fourteen Jury, televote loved each other. Okay, cool. So pretty much the winner was in both. Um, yes, indeed. 2015 is where it changed. So Sweden <laughs> won the jury vote, but only finished third in the televote, vote but you know, that's not too bad. And then Australia obviously famously won the jury vote but didn't win the contest. We also saw that in 2018 and 2019 with Cesar, Nobody But You, and also this year, North Macedonia, Tamara Tadevska with Proud. So we've seen a real change in what the juries are loving compared to the tele-vote. And that's only really happened in the last five years. We've seen a kind of split there. Well, what do you reckon's going on? I mean obviously with the reading of
1: the points we see it very clearly mm. but obviously uh, back before that happened it was you know there was still could be opposites, opposites there look I mean the juries are still kind of getting it right the ones that are winning uh, or the ones that are doing fairly well on the tally vote generally are towards the top of the jury oh, vote. what about
0: Norway this year they yeah. were down I think around 14th or 15th yeah, and you know they win the tally vote I'm sorry I hate to say it I'm kind of on the jury side with this one <laughs> you know look it's going to be
1: the way it is. I mean, it's all about for me the makeup of the juries, the criteria that the juries are given, and there's still very question marks about it. There's obviously still bias going on in the juries. Mm. Like one, any has to look at Armenia and Azerbaijan to see that's happening. So look. As much as I'm a big fan of the juries, I think they need to be there. Uh, There's still question marks, and and unfortunately, they don't do themselves any favours, sometimes like Belarus this year.
0: Well, I think we're going to see something coming into the next decade of a lot more uh, stringent looking at this jury. I think people are going to start asking questions, because you're right, that whole split we see now is people going, well, why is that winning? Why is North Macedonia winning? Why is Australia winning? Why did Australia come fourth in 2017 and the jury? Ooh. People and, and Malta in 2016. So people got questions, and it's not kind of tallying up at the moment. So we'll see if it recalibrates. I'm all for the juries, but maybe we do need to see a little bit of change there. They're certainly influencing what's happening with the contest absolutely they present 50 percent of the vote so they've well, got a big save. they should influence i guess <laughs> yeah. maybe a little too much but i'm sure as every year juries will always be talking points right okay well let's move on to the next topic it is the big five biggest thing out of the big five for this decade was the reintroduction of Italy. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be an absolute mess, really. <laughs> oh,
1: that's a bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, Italy's been a breath of fresh air when it comes to the uh, big countries. there consistently delivering quality, consistently delivering results. That must be the envy of the others.
0: Oh, God, yeah. I mean, they've been unlucky not to win. Two seconds, a couple of thirds. Um, really close this year with Soldi Grand Amore won the televote. vote. Um, and obviously, we also had Francesca Gamani, who was a massive favourite, and maybe the staging wasn't pulled off there. But overall, great decade for Italy. They have just nailed it every year. And even when a song's not great, I'm looking at you, 2018, <laughs> they still managed to kind of come in the top five. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, you look, you kind of feel like they're building for a win, aren't they? It's got to be coming shortly for Italy,
1: one, one would imagine. Look, maybe it's got to do with their selection process through Sanremo perhaps
0: uh, San Remo is is delivering them, the artists that can deliver the results. Well, yeah, they go through that process. I mean, they bring great music. Everyone loves Italian. So I think the language helps with that because they don't shy away from doing language and it's not been an issue for them whatsoever. So... They are the A-plus star pupil of the big five. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's move on to the others. Let's talk about Germany. We're going to put them second.
1: Mm. Look, highs and lows for Germany. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I mean, they started off the decade brilliantly, like with uh, satellite winning. Yes. Sort of been diminishing returns ever since then, kind of, hasn't it?
0: Yeah. Look, they've, uh, you look at the record and you go, you've had four top tens, including a win and a fourth place, which is a great record over 10 years. It's the other six you've got to look at, which are pretty much last, last, second, last, second, last, that kind of record. They kind of go for a very commercial sound, don't they, Germany, and either nail it or sit into the mid-level of nothingness. It's been an interesting selection process, as I think, with them. They tinker with it every
1: year. There's different types of juries. There's different types of demographic people voting. I don't know if this general consensus thing is, is is really bringing results. I mean, they did with Michael Schulter in 2018; he got a fourth place there. But apart from that, that's been pretty hit and miss.
0: It, it really has been, I and, think, and a bit more miss than hit. Yeah, they're over-engineering it slightly mm. in very typical German style. <laughs> um, but I, I still think they've they've it's been a good decade for them overall. I think when they haven't, when they've failed and they have failed badly, they're still on the right track. They just haven't quite. Nailed that song If that song had improved 10% You'd probably jump up Into the top 10 Okay Very
1: commercial sounding Fair enough This is actually A good point Because we're moving on To France Mm. I was going to Raise that point I think Lately France Have got some good stuff Mm. But have just Kind of missed the mark And only just Well Uh, they can't stage it Can they (laughs) Well they certainly Started the decade Fairly slowly And it's kind of built uh but look for me i think every performer i've seen in the last five years or every song i've I've found something good about it and something i like about france
0: just somehow not really nailing it on the day or not really nailing it for the result uh the F- french music's fantastic and unfortunately they've let the french people decide too often because when <laughs> they do they go for something just a, probably a little bit too much for their domestic market and not for the european market the song that's second or third is all Often the one that you actually should send. It's a, it's a song to represent them, though, Dale. So, I, you know, if the domestic people like it, go for they it. They want to win. They want to win. <laughs> so you've seen a move away from them from a national final for that very reason. Mm-hmm. We saw Amir come in 2016 and get their best result in sixth place. They had dropped down to last with Twin Twin, which was robbed. This is an amazing song. But awful. I understand it wasn't quality. Last even was,
1: Last was too good.
0: <laughs> even though it's a great song. But I think they've been on the right track. They've just kind of wobbled a bit recently. But I think I think they'll get it right um, in the next decade. And I think we should see maybe the first French win since the seventies. I think they're on the right track. Yeah, fingers crossed. They've taken things into their own hands. So it's a pa- can... it's a pass mark, I think, for the decade. Yeah, for I'll give them. them a pass. Let's talk about Spain. Oh, <laughs> it's not that
1: bad. <laughs> Again, we have a country that just constant tinkering with the process and probably i feel sick of guessing themselves sometimes do we go full spanish do we try and pull back and go a bit more sort of homogenized western again i see some i, I see some entries with good ingredients
0: but somehow the recipe at the end or the cake that comes out of the oven mm. there's just something wrong with it i know it's they've got you're right they've chucked everything at it i don't look at one of their entries and go. That was horrendous. Or oh, maybe Manel. Um, but I mean, other than that, even, I'll go, I'll even go that into was. Bat. A, I will go into bat and say it's the Manel staging suited the song. It so, was a commercial song. Yeah. So I thought they got the staging right. They just had the wrong song from the start. That yeah. Was all. <laughs> but they've sent some really good Spanny stuff. They the over the top stuff from um, Adone twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was amazing. Uh, even Lavender was fantastic. But they tinker too much, like over and engineered the staging. And unfortunately, last year they kind of got done from using Operación Triunfo, which was like a whole romance thing. And Lo Malo could have gone and done better, but maybe it wouldn't have. Maybe it would have come twenty fourth as well. Yeah, only a couple of ten place, tenth places being the best for them this year, uh, this decade. Two lots of 10ths. I mean, Cadete Amigos living on with the fandom probably didn't live on on the night though. It did doesn't. It? There's lots of twentieth places. They've had five in a row outside the top twenty. So. I don't know where to go for Spain, but yeah. overall, it's, it's been a failure for them. It yeah. hasn't been a good decade. Unfortunately, neither does Spain, to be honest. <laughs> no well, anyway, they've taken things into
1: their own hands. It's an internal selection. They'll get to pick everything that goes on this year. So let's see if they can turn it around.
0: All right, well, let's go to the, the dunce of the big five. And unfortunately, it's the United Kingdom. Oof.
1: Oh, yeah, look, I mean, you can start us off on this one, Dale. don't
0: Well, know where to go. you know, I did live in there in the 2000s, and I thought that was not great for them. And then, wow, the 2010s was even worse. They were a big um, proponent of having the juries come back, and they've actually had a worse average ranking since the juries have come back. So you can't blame Europe and the neighbouring voting there. Oh, they always blame somebody, I <laughs> Don't worry. It's always something. It's Iraq. It's- yeah. <laughs>
1: Brexit, it's well, uh, mad cow disease, something. Essentially, it's something.
0: Essentially, they just haven't sent good entries, and they started getting on the right track. Children, of the universe was good. I think from 2016 onwards, they were really trying with Joe and Jake, with Lucy Jones, um, and then they kind of come off a little bit again recently. Not quite there. Uh, They just have gone down the safe route Like, let's not come last is almost their mantra But they've managed to do it twice And when you try not to come last You come last Pretty much Look, the highlight of the uh, decade for them Has pretty much been blue
1: Yep, that's, 11th place That's pretty sad mm. You know, you had to trot out some sort of aging boy band And you get an 11th It was a
0: good song It, it came fifth of the telly And it was so, actually
1: well staged as well, I'll give it that It's, but it's a real really well song, unfortunately that is the highlight of the uh, decade I think there's been some poor choices made along the way
0: Worst decade ever for United Kingdom Nothing's come close to being as bad as that which is, a sh- which is a real shame Because we want to see them do well I think United Kingdom's
1: really important for Eurovision itself Yes You have a strong United Kingdom You have a vibrant United Kingdom Kingdom, great fandom, great passion for the competition. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the competition's poorer for them not doing well.
0: Look, I think they've gone internal now. They're moving away from the beige ness that was. You decide. Mm. It was so beige and so safe. So hopefully they're going to pick something with a bit of a risk. Why not? You've got nothing to lose. Mm. Bring on the twenty twenties because they should forget all about the twenty tens. It's pretty much bottomed out, hasn't it? So let's see where they can. It's only way is up. It can't
1: it? get worse. Pretty much. So I guess the next thing we want to talk about, and it always defines a decade, let's talk about staging. Hold on, thunder and lightning, it's getting exciting, lights up the skylight to show you I can fly, tomorrow, on the beautiful wind that blows, on a cosmic track, love the time, I'm gonna get that rhythm back. i keep rolling, say real, I'm hoping to.
0: Well, again, I think this is similar to the East conversation we had earlier. We had the 2000s full of choreography, props, costumes, everything out there. And we've gone full LED this decade pretty much for the entire time. Only a couple of uh, contests didn't have an LED. And it's really dominated how um, people have used it. I agree. I mean, obviously,
1: there's a technological part of it that goes with it, and I'm sure there's an economic part of it. Rather mm. than have seven dancers or six people on stage, you can have a one performance and some LEDs and be still quite effective. I mean, obviously, it was taken to another level with Mon's win in mm. 2015, and I think that was a real turning point. That is when we started to see performers interacting with the LEDs yep. rather than just having images or slogans or things yeah. put up behind
0: you. So we've seen it really take another level and i think it's got another level to come even if it's something on the beat and they just wave their arms and something happens and the leds in the background like that little stuff you're right came after mon's um, uh, performance i think you know you had simple things like conchita with the wings coming out the big fire wings perfectly done but again not overly dramatic but even then it was use of lights i think about sana and undo and that was just done so well even though it wasn't an LED use, it was just something much more technical. Rather than you could watch it in a live theatre, it felt from it went from a theatre show almost to the TV event that it is. Absolutely, and it's about what
1: comes through on the television screen. Mm. We've also seen superimposed things coming through on TV screens with, you know, think of Eleni's Fire, et cetera. Mm. Uh, um, Holograms. Absolutely, we had the holograms, particularly popular in 2016. (laughs) They were, yes, indeed. (laughs) But the more this becomes uh, technologically advanced and what we get over the screen, we'll see more and more coming up with the staging.
0: I think it matters so much when it comes down to a song can be great, and it can just live and die on that staging, I think far more than it used to. I think songs can really elevate yeah. uh, maybe five positions back in the past. Now it's you can come from a non-qualifier, I'm at the top 10, thinking even like My Lucky Day. Which is a really interesting one because the one year we didn't have LEDs, we kind of had revert, We reverted to the 2000s. Yeah. We had a quirky song win with Toy. We had choreography come back in a big way with Fuego. And something like Dora Doss with My Lucky Day would never have flown in any other years. Yeah. But they were inventive because they had to be without... Um, LEDs. Absolutely.
1: You don't want to see this become a technological arms race mm. in any way, but at the same token, uh, you know, you can't be uh, ignore the technology. is going to keep going forward and forward, and it's probably only going to get bigger and better as far as uh, augmented reality, etc. goes.
0: And let's be honest, it makes a better show. Every oh, time sure. there's been an LED, it's been a better show. It's the songs, but you know what? You need that staging. It makes such a big difference. Yeah, and you still can't go
1: past some good old lights and a good singer at the same time. And you know what? A good old pyro curtain, Dale. (laughs) Oh,
0: I think the pyro curtains are done. (laughs) Yeah, it's done. People, stop it! Stop it! And I have to say, I'm sorry. Sergei Lazarev is easily the best staging of the decade, hands down.
1: I will pay that. I'll definitely
0: pay that. All right, let's move on away from staging. And the next topic we're going to talk about is language. Fazer planos do que virá depois.
1: O meu coração. Right, well,
0: in the 2000s, we had one winner in in, uh, foreign language other than English, and this decade, we had one as well with Amar Pelosh Deutsch. however, 1944 has to get a bit of a Guernsey here too, since it was sung in some Tata as well, so we've had two kind of winners there. But we saw a real difference in the decade of real homogenization to English, Mm -hmm. culminating in 2016 and 2017 with only five songs in each of those in English. Then after Portugal won, it flew up 13 the next year, 11 this year. So we've seen a resurgence of language. But at the start of the decade, it certainly was very much English dominated. Now we're starting to see people really you know, embrace their national identity and language again. Yeah, it was interesting. I definitely saw the uh, the resurgence come back towards the end
1: of the decade. I mean, obviously, if songs start to be successful, other delegations will jump on and say, yeah, great. Mm. It comes with that authenticity, mm. and I think that made a real resurgence because we had the homogenized, and let's face it, Scandinavian-dominated probably early part of that decade yeah probably from 2011 to 2014 mm. they was very much Scandinavian songwriter Scandinavian uh music Uh, Anything that was in English thought you could get some votes if you sing in English. Some countries still do it. Yeah, they do. But uh, we're seeing this resurgence to nativism. Mm. Look, is it a part of maybe an inward-looking Europe? Yeah. Uh, You know, does it sing to domestic audiences as well? Uh, We are seeing probably more of a, a, a turn towards that politically in Europe so maybe that's had a bit of an effect on the Eurovision Song Contest
0: as well. I think also people watch Eurovision not just because they they want to see these other countries, these other cultures and we don't hear the music of a lot of these cultures mm-hmm. often. I mean Serbia, we're always going to hear your Balkan ballads and everything. We've got no problems there. Mm-hmm. But other countries really homogenized way too much. I even like uh, the Azerbaijans and Armenians and Greece as well. Look at um, the entry this year. What is Greek about that? Nothing. Mm-hmm. When P- Greece comes on, people have an expectation of what they want to hear. And that's what Italy give every year. That's why they do well. Um, and Greece has come up with something you could hear on English radio. And it's like, meh. And that's how people treated it. It's an interesting one. I think
1: the way music is delivered now is far more accessible. If you jump on Spotify, you can hear music in pretty much any language. Yeah,
0: but who does other than Eurofans?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but Back in the day, I guess, you know, you needed things to be released in your record store or hear it mm, on the radio. True. Now you can get it uh, on global playlists or, you know, country playlists or whatever. So it's an interesting one. I think people are consuming more sort of foreign language music on a whole, Mm. so maybe we're seeing that just being reflected in Eurovision.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. And look, some some countries have just come back really well from using language. I think Albania is a really good example. They were doing really badly last two years. They decided to go down the uh, the route of doing their songs in true Albanian style, mainly, mainly, possibly speaking to the diaspora of other Albanians. Mm -hmm. That can work as well. So. I like this return to language but I guess also we don't want to go too nationalistic so it is about a united Europe but we don't want everything in English at the same time. It's interesting. We'll see if the trend continues. Mm, indeed. Okay, and the next topic we're going to talk about and I'm quite looking forward to this one is the glow-ups of the decade. <laughs>
1: Till Come on! All right.
0: Well, let's start with this year's winner, the Netherlands. Wow. They went from the absolute disaster country of Eurovision, eight non-qualifiers in a row, up until 2012, it's
1: been building for them, hasn't it? It's sort mm. of turned the corner with Anouk, and uh, it's just sort of slowly built and slowly built. Uh, they had a little trip up in 2015, but at the same token, it, it hasn't seemed to uh, conv- you know change too much for them. Duncan deserved to win, and
0: uh, yeah, well done, Netherlands. I know. From that, I think Anouk was the real the real winner there for them. They've been terrible, and they went, you know what? We've got to get a big star in. And she set the the right track, just as you mentioned there. They built and built, and BAMO, they've got their first victory in 44 years. I'm so pleased with the Dutch, and it just goes to show you, you can be a disaster. <laughs> Look at the UK. like yeah. You can be really bad, and Absolutely. you can come back, and you've got the right music, and you've got the money behind it. You can win Eurovision out of the blue. Definitely, definitely. One of the other countries you want to
1: talk about, Belgium. Mm. Now, it's been a big decade for Belgium, consistent performers. I
0: think, again, you'd probably say they were one of the weakest nations out there. Yeah, they had five non-qualifiers in a row in the 2000s before Tom Dice with me and my guitar. Oh my God. He was the kind of a nook for them in 2010. I know it's not your cup of tea. Not at all. But you know what? It did set them on the right track because afterwards they had some really good results. Yeah, you're looking at Loic. Uh, with Blanche. Blanche, Uh they've had some
1: fantastic uh, performances this oh, decade. And
0: Australia's favourite,
1: <laughs> what's the pressure? Exactly, it did yeah. very very well. So Belgium, I mean, you know, probably tailed off a little bit the last couple of years, indeed. But I mean, that's probably a good thing to make them look uh, at what they're doing and, and reassess.
0: Yeah, totally. It's not like they haven't had bad songs. They've they've had good songs. they maybe not nailed the staging recently, but overall, definitely a massive improvement for Belgium and for Netherlands this decade. The other one I wanted to talk about was Moldova. I mean, Moldova have been quite the little mini powerhouse this decade. <laughs> for a tiny country, they've made the, the final six out of the ten times, mm-hmm. and five of those times have made the top 12, including a third place with Hey Mama in 2017. Sunstrike Project have really just made a name for Moldova. They've been amazing. I, I think they've done so well. We worked out per GDP, they're actually the best country in Eurovision this decade. <laughs> it's pretty technical, isn't I it? Know project, I know, yeah, anyway? true, true. Look,
1: I've said, and anyone who's listened to us, I'm sometimes not a fan of brand Moldova and their wackiness, but you have to pay them their respect. They have done very, very well with the results for such a small country. And for a country that doesn't have a lot of resources, mm. uh, look, you know, there's something about their quirk, there's something about the Moldovaness that Europe go for. So, hey, you know, keep going with it.
0: They found a national identity, whether it being the core gestures of Eurovision, mm-hmm. it's their national identity or not. But when they go for that very kind of homogenized sound, as we've talked about before this year, I'm thinking even our glorious Lydia Isaac, they just don't do well. They yeah. do well with that type of um, Eastern Gypsy almost sounding music. It's, it's great for them. Well, something that's got that um, Moldavian
1: twist to it as well. Mm. All right. I guess we should talk about Bulgaria. Yes, they were one of the big hitters. Come the middle of the decade, and they kind of came from nowhere. Really, they mm. were just one of the non performers, really, out there. So, a country that I think threw some resources behind it and threw a bit of technical talent behind it as well.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, also they they, they were te- they were terrible. <laughs> they were really not good. <laughs>
1: Apologies then, to all our Bulgarian I mean, listeners. It's true. This. Let's be honest.
0: <laughs> um, they held they hosted Junior Eurovision. Actually, from that point is when they got really good. Yeah, they obviously were invested into it. Twenty sixteen, if Love Was a Crime, great song, top mm-hmm. five. Came come second the following year yeah. and really got, went for it with bones. And I think they've done the wrong right thing. City year out. And I think outside of Australia and maybe Italy and Russia uh, Bulgaria, the other country, really gunning for a win. We're all desperate. <laughs> all, the four of us, the desperate countries, and they want that win just as much as we do. Yeah, we'll see how they go next year.
1: I'm going to throw one, one more in there, Dale. Czech Republic, another mm. one I think came out of the wilderness. They've uh, got a top 10 result with uh, mikolosh uh, Also a couple of finals finally for them. Yeah, exactly. So um seem to be on the right track. So well done, Czech Republic, because yep. I thought... They were probably bowing out if they didn't get a good result.
0: They were almost going to go down the Slovakia road. And now they've become a, a bit of a little medium-sized hitter there, actually. Yeah. And just one little one, I have to chuck this in, San Marino. Um, <laughs> for a tiny little country that made the final twice, we have to we have to acknowledge Valentina Moneta. You know, she got there first. And then also obviously we had Sir Hat this year who got their best ever result in 19th. They are the size of like Bunbury, okay, which is a tiny yeah. town in Western Australia, and they've managed to get two finals. Uh, it's a great result for such a little nation. I love them competing. Yeah, good on them. Punching above their weight. Indeed. All right, let's move on to the next category, and it is the LGBTIQ <laughs> of Eurovision.
1: My kingdom now Quand je rêve, je suis un roi Quand je rêve, je suis un roi
0: You know who you are, we are unity, and we are unstoppable. Well, just before the start of this decade, we had the competition in Moscow, there was a lot of controversy around the LGBTI community community actually attending Eurovision, and then the first half of this decade, it was still kind of a big deal for anything to be a little bit gay on there, really, wasn't there? It was, yeah. I mean the first uh, The kiss uh, between two women Was in 2013 with Marry Me Um, She was straight but you know whatever And then obviously we had another male kiss In 2015 with the Lithuanian act Uh, But other And they were really big deals at the time But the big one obviously we have to talk about Is Conchita Yeah
1: she's iconic she won and she really did set the tone really for the rest of the decade as far as uh representation went with uh, lgbtiq people
0: and it's uh, um, the, our community in there is it's got a such a massive part of eurovision right over the 200 million people watching and yes the vast majority are straight but in the fandom those who go to the event itself there is a very high proportion of people um, represented from that community. Now, when it comes to Conchita, it was a a turning point in equality across the globe at the same time. Mm -hmm. And she got a lot of flack from a lot of those Eastern nations in particular leading up to the contest. Yeah, I mean we saw a lot of booing
1: etcetera in midway through the decade as far as with the anti the, the Russian anti-gay mm-hmm. laws etc exactly. that seemed to come into to play as well.
0: It was all happening at the same time, wasn't it?
1: Absolutely, and for her to stand there and be who she was and who she is it was just fantastic and really did turn things around. General visibility now. It's just almost so easy, kind of thing. You know, we've had performances, we have performers like perhaps Bilal, mm. who, yeah, okay, there were some issues back home in France, uh but generally he just went to the
0: contest and was Bilal. It yeah. wasn't a big deal. You didn't have someone from Armenia or someone like that going, why is this person competing? Like, it just wasn't that big deal that can cheat a faced. And it really culminated into this perfect storm and this really iconic moment of the contest of her winning and, I mean, getting public votes across the board from the East. Absolutely. And, yes, yeah, some people refer to her as, like, the bearded lady, but she was so much more than that. She was an amazing performer. She did an incredible performance that night, and even though Undo was probably both of our favourites, <laughs> when you watched that night, you wanted her to win. Absolutely. It was a special moment, probably the, the, the almost the moment of the decade, I would say. Yeah, so um, she did turn things
1: around very much so.
0: And after that, I mean, we've had the, you know come in uh, d- dozens of the, of the <laughs> that have come through we've had dower bob in 2016 wasn't even an issue duncan lawrence this year he won uh, as an out bisexual man and it was barely mentioned yeah i wouldn't have even known exactly so that's what is wonderful about the contest that actually we've got to that stage now where it doesn't matter um however there was a few little things in ukraine like they had that rainbow issue there but generally everyone who went was safe felt fine and it always will be something if the contest goes somewhere where laws or culture is not great. But at the moment, it's been a huge progressive decade. Absolutely. Right. Well, on that kind of similar topic, let's talk about the big one. Apparently, it doesn't exist in Eurovision, but we all know it does. It's politics. <laughs>
1: Well, politics, whether it be overt or subvert, is always (laughs) underneath the surface at Eurovision. However, this uh, decade, it seemed to have come to the fore more than ever. I'm not going to point any fingers. There seemed to be one kind of major player in it. Oh, maybe two with the one same issue. (laughs) Exactly. Look, (laughs) Russia and Ukraine dominated Mm. the, uh, the decade when it came to politics. Uh, 2016, obviously, the Ukrainian win was steeped in politics, even though it wasn't supposed to be. Yes. Uh, We saw Russia, you know, uh, just boycott 2017 and not go. That spilt over into even Vidber this year. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, it's had a bit of a shadow over the last sort of half of the decade, really.
0: Well, it's been the major conflict in Europe during the entire time, um, depending how you look at it. Crimea has been invaded or it has been reclaimed. Mm -hmm. And the people have chosen whatever way you want to look at it. There's conflict. There's armed conflict there happening as we speak. We have an active war in the Donbass region. Exactly. So, of course, that is going to spill over into things like Eurovision. And you're right. 2016 is where it all sort of came to the fore because you had Jamala singing a song about um, something that happened in 1944 in Crimea. Um, But apparently wasn't political, but obviously it was. Um, But anyway, we've let that go and and then obviously from that point on it just kind of spilled into everything particularly now Ukrainian artists can't have, can't perform in Russia or they will be banned and obviously the Russian performer couldn't go to Ukraine and It was just an absolute mess at that point, and it'll probably still continue to be a mess, one would imagine, Dale, going forward. Do you think there's been a. Do you think Russia has suffered because of their actions in Europe in the voting at any point? Oh, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. There isn't an anti Russian sentiment.
1: I mean, they introduced anti booing technology. (laughs) I don't even know what that is, Dale. (laughs) But apparently, it had to be introduced because of the Russian performers being booed openly. I mean, you know, let's. It's. I'm not pro-Russia, anti-Russia or anything like that. But, I mean, obviously
0: it's affecting their results, one would imagine. Look, it goes both ways. There's also a lot of pro-Russian sentiment in some of these other nations who give Russia probably higher than usual scores and there's other lower than usual scores. Whether that evens out, I'm not sure. I think perhaps, um, you know, a million voices, very unlikely not to win. Sergey Lazarev, very unlucky not to win. If they were from another country, who knows? but you know a bit richer russia sending out an everyone out in all white singing a peace song in 2015 and expecting that to be authentic and to fly with people yeah particularly when ukraine didn't compete that year because of they couldn't afford
1: it yes uh yeah look i mean it's 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 messy, as politics always is. And I don't think it's the last that we're going to run into this issue. Goodness me. No, no, no. It's not going to be. I guess there were some other ones under the surface as well. Armenia Azerbaijan seem to have their running conflict over their disputed territory. Mm -hmm. We saw a flag from Iveta in 2016.
0: Yes. That got a bit of a rap over the knuckles. And, of course, you have the juries from both nations putting the others last virtually or they were and now they hide it by trying to say 24th 22nd 23rd Absolutely, just like we're not really putting them last but we know that they both vote each other down um very much so
1: yeah they won't be getting the 8 10 or 12 from either other that's for sure i guess other ones that's been uh around all all uh decade has been brexit or mm. since probably the mid of the decade sorry yeah oh, god i mean has it affected things dale
0: Oh, look, I will say that I think Lucy Jones was probably a little bit harshly treated in 2017, but I don't think it would have got that much higher. You might be talking two or three positions because, yeah, you know what? You just voted to leave Europe and you're going out there. You know, it's going to have a slight impact, but not the impact people thought it really did. And I think at that point, Britain just kind of threw their hands up and said, it's all because of Brexit. And, you know, it wasn't entirely. It was a good stage. She she could sing, but it was a pretty... Dull song really overall so i mean that's just what happens if you, if you don't set out the great stuff but i think it's probably affected the uk more than it's affected everybody else i think they have this view that everyone hates them now because of it and so therefore what's the point in trying it's pretty much been the attitude from most of the presenters um in the uk every time there's a morning show interview poor sue Reid got the the brunt of it in 2018 mm. It's an interesting one isn't it i agree with
1: you i think it affects them more internally than it actually does externally Mm. um you know i think a lot of people and i know australians if you like it and you see it on this stage you'll vote for it no matter who it is
0: um i mean that probably sounds a little naive but Mm. yeah that's kind of the way it works well Um, coming into another country like that hello israel i mean mm. there's boycotts left right and center without eurovision they managed to win. If you got a good enough song, you will. And obviously, the politics played into that with, with Israel this year. There was a lot of calls for boycotts. Uh, artists were hit. Fans were hit. Everyone was being like told if you don't boycott it, you're against the Palestinian people.
1: There was a real orchestrated um, movement, wasn't there? And I know Kate, for example, here in Australia, got a lot, uh, a lot of correspondence uh, and stuff directed towards her about. Uh, yep. Boycotting. Well, anyway. Yep. Each no, to their, own each, e- to their, each own, to their own.
0: each to their own. But, you know, if people don't want to boycott, that's okay as well. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you don't support the cause. But, yeah, politics always, always in part of Eurovision, whether the EBU, EBU like it or not. Okay, let's move on to our penultimate uh category. And our conversation is going to be on Australia. Hello, Australia we sing at the eurovision song contest no you can't you're not a part of europe oh baby tonight so good forget tomorrow we can do tonight again calling, calling. Twelve, 12 points holland and denmark Well, this decade was when Australia just truly fell in love with the competition. we had been watching it since 1983, but having our own commentary team since 2009 really saw the contest take off here. Absolutely, are uh, the only new
1: nation to join the mm. Eurovision Song Contest family in the decade. Uh, it was about uh, about expansion, I think, for the EBU and Australia. After their uh, wild card performance in 2015, they were prepping for us to come
0: in. Let's face <laughs> it, uh, we're still hanging around, and, and we seem to be the logical one to join. Totally, we kept getting mentioned in the broadcasts. We had our tiny TV um, appearance in 13. Then we had the full interval in 2014 with those dancing flies and prawns and Jessica Malboy as well, of course. (laughs) And And then 2015, tonight again, we came fifth, we got invited back and, you know, we almost took out the competition in 2016. And I think that just showed the commitment we had to Eurovision and sending great performers. Absolutely. One thing I'm pleased with uh, and I'm quite proud of
1: Australia is our evolution in the contest. Mm. Uh, Definitely where we were in 2015 to where we are now, heading into 2020, very different. We've Mm. got our own national final now. And I know that might sound a bit odd to people in Europe, but it's just not something you do here. We've never had a competition like this. We don't have an annual song competition or anything like that. So it's completely brand new. And Australians and Australian fans seem to be really embracing that that's a real feather in the cap for uh, SBS and Blink TV.
0: And we're starting to become that Eurovision nation just like everyone else, really. It's just we're on the other side of the world. Yeah, totally. I think people are getting used to us now. I think we're quite a big hitter. Uh, We've made the top 10 four of the five times. We've made the final every time. Only Ukraine has done that as well, making the final. Okay, we've only had a few chances to do it, but still we're qualifying every year. On top of that, junior Eurovision. We go every year, we're committed to it, and we've made the top 10 every single time. So we send quality and we are in it to win it. We're not there just to hang around (laughs) and have a fun time. We wanna win, and I like the fact that we changed tack this year. The Australian people said, no, we've been too safe. Let's send something out there like Kate Miller Heike doing opera, and she just delivered the staging of the decade, which would probably struggled on staging, mm-hmm. and she probably gave one of the best staging performance, other than maybe Sergei lazarev absolutely um, a, a terrific moment for
1: Australia, I think, and exciting to see what we can produce in the future, um, yeah,
0: who knows, who knows so, but uh, we 're definitely added something to the competition, definitely totally, and so many Australians are traveling over there now, I think everyone I know who 's got so much more into Eurovision day we were announced as competing i'll never forget that it is a very special place in my heart that we compete there now and i would love to see us win and i think we can do it next decade oh, let's hope so we oh,
1: hope so well we're there until 2023
0: at this point i so. know TikTok, so we better uh we better get a move on <laughs> we better we better right okay well let's move on to the biggest story of the decade and it really was sweden and scandinavia Well, look. Overall, out of the ten winners this decade, three were from the Scandies, two from Sweden, and obviously one from Denmark. Sweden had seven top five results out of ten of ten contests. Incredible. Mm. Uh, Denmark had a great record. Norway had a great record. So many Swedish songwriters. Everything sounded like it was from Scandinavia. <laughs> it really was. Their decade, wasn't it? Well, it was for a few
1: years. Pretty much everything was from Scandinavia. <laughs> look, it's probably um, added to the homogenization of the contest in the early part of the decade, but their influence can't be denied. Scotland really is the pop music factory and it took over at Eurovision for a few years there. Um, look, it's... Melody Festivalen is an amazing conveyor belt of uh, artists and performances, Mm, mm. and you know you can't argue with what
0: seven top fives out of ten years—that is quite amazing. Oh, look, Sweden didn't have a great last decade; they really didn't, and they started this one off with their first non qualifier with Anna Bergendahl, but they've just gone on to just smash it out every year. It really, to me, peaked in twenty sixteen. I think the first half was all about Sweden. And obviously Denmark doing quite well as well as Norway. But they hosted probably the best contest of the decade. They showed us how it was done with Petra and Mons. Um, They managed to come fifth with that terrible song. (laughs) (laughs) But that was after two wins in such a small amount of time. I will say that the, the star is starting to dull for them. I think, you know, we've seen, even though they're getting good results... They aren't doing that well with a televote. vote mm-hmm. people are kind of pleased to see them not do well They're kind of becoming victims of their own success <laughs> certainly has been their decade But they're gonna need to change to be successful in the next one. Absolutely. You've always got to keep evolving And mm. uh, What
1: was working for the last 10 years may not be working for much longer? Um, there's no denying that they've been terrific and and really have been the biggest influence on
0: this decade, by far it 'll always be known, I think, for the Swedish decade, for sure, they could try sending a woman, maybe soon and maybe different. that can how they could evolve, possibly <laughs> or anything like that. but I think they need to win back that that televote, which has started to desert them, and I think we 'll see the jury going off them a little bit if the televote 's not going with them because the jury has been very, very loyal so far mm, even more than us, I <laughs> yeah. think they have definitely been very loyal. To Sweden as well. And also on the Scandi front, uh, we've seen Jon Alessand has run it for the last decade. He's hanging up his boots now. Krista Bjorkman's had a big role to play in the production. It really has been a Scandi decade. Will they still be around for much of the 2020s? I know Jon Alessand is, is stepping down, but what could happen? I think it's all change at the top there for Sweden. and
1: You know what? It's probably about time too for them. And I think it's good for their, uh, you know, keeping
0: it fresh and evolving for them okay well that's that is it for the decade it 's been quite a big one. nothing we 've really missed i don 't think i don 't think so.
1: I think we they dallied a little bit with the USA and China with mm. as far as broadcasts and things go. I think we 're probably going to see a bit more of the globalization, particularly with Netflix mm. being involved in the USA, so I think that 's probably the next step. Uh, in the next decade, I know some people that's going to raise their hair on their backs, but um, yeah, globalization is coming.
0: Just as the world is kind of caught in a China USA thing, I think Eurovision as well. They kind of looked to China, looked to Asia, didn't really work for them. Now they're looking to the US. It looks like there is going to be a US competition. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but still, <laughs> they they're looking to expand, and just like nations, the competition always has to evolve. And every decade has been completely different from the rest. And I think we're in for something very different coming up.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: Okay, well, thanks so much for joining us for our Decade Special. Um, you can join us for our weekly for Eurovision 2020 season in the build-up to Rotterdam. We'll have our show every Sunday going over everything that's happened in the national finals. And you can find us on our social channels, at AussieVisionNet, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Congratulations, Michael. fois <laughs> <Douceois> to you. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, guys. See you later.